Hello and welcome in this episode, you will discover why positioning is important in building a personal brand, the difference between positioning and branding, how to create a category of one and how to set yourself, set yourself apart in a super crowded market. Uh, my guest today is Patty Dominguez. Welcome, Patty. Hi, Mustafa. So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity to Great. share. Absolutely. Great to have you. And I look forward to this. Our topic today is mastering the art of positioning, the key to building a great personal brand. Uh, how's your day today so far, Patty? So far, so good. It's wet. It's Wednesday, and I always have to look at the. I always have to look at the calendar. I'm like, what day is it? But I know we're in a group uh, every Wednesday morning, so I know it's Wednesday because I get to catch up with you every week. So that's awesome. Absolutely. And where about are you? I'm in Chicago, or just outside of Chicago, technically. Beauty and what's it like out there right now? The the sun is creeping in and it's almost like it wants to be spring, but it's still undecided. Oh yeah, okay. It's, yeah. it's strong and well. Uh, uh, we got a strong and well. Uh, some uh, winter up here. It's like yeah. minus oh. twenty five this morning, and it's not oh, outside Lord. right up here in Calgary, Alberta. Yeah. So um, yeah, we have a long winter up here. Mm. Uh, it doesn't. So I don't, sometimes I don't envy you. <laughs> sometimes it gives us a break and we feel like, all right, it's over. It's getting warm. But then it just comes right back. And it was like, no, 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 no. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> You're in Calgary. Exactly. So, let me do the proper introduction for you. And we're going to, we're going to dive into a very interesting conversation, a, a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. Patty Dominguez, founder of Positioning to Profit, is a best-selling author, advisor, and can contributing marketing expert. Her work has been featured on Smart Business, Investors Business Daily, New York Daily News, and American Express Open Forum, to name a few. Prior to 2013, she worked in Fortune 50 and management consulting as head of global agency strategy. She now helps service-based entrepreneurs claim their category of one status based on their unique abilities. Patty, welcome again. Thank you, Mustafa. Really happy to be here. Absolutely. So, Patty, what is your story? So, my story is that my parents were are blue collar workers. They were blue collar workers, and their biggest dream for me was to go to school to get a good job, so that I didn't have to be a blue collar worker. And so literally my dad would say, uh, if you get a nice job and it has an office and you get a cell phone and a car, you've made it. <laughs> that was, that was his thinking, you know, that was a thought process. So as the oldest of two, and I really wanted to be a good uh, child. So I did all of the above, you know, I did exactly what was expected of me. And then I started down this journey of uh, corporate America and I'm very grateful for the experience. And I learned a whole lot, met a ton of really smart people and just climbed the ladder. I made some uh, changes in between to different companies and overall really positive experience. Of course, some lows, some lows. Uh, for me personally, it was a little bit trying at times because I always felt like I was out of sorts, like eh, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not that level of happy yet. So maybe if I get to the next level, then I'll be happy, right? I didn't really understand what I was wanting, but I knew that, uh, that I was on this journey of figuring it out. Well, in 2008, uh, when the market crashed, uh, I was 
you know, the pink slip came and then I was at a, a consulting firm at the time and I walked out of there thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm no different than the French fry guy at McDonald's because my job's not an asset. And that taught me something really, really important because in my mind, I'm like, I thought I did everything right. You know, I thought I went to school and then I got my master's and then I was, uh, and I tried to do the best that I could. And yet it didn't matter. And so I was exposed to a lot of books at that time in 2009 when the market was really bad on the employee on the employment side. I just got really into into education, uh, personal growth, education, really understanding what why what had happened had happened, you know. And so so long story short, I made the decision. I'm like, I really want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do my own thing, but I don't know where to go. I don't know where to look for at the time business coaching was not very popular or prevalent. And so I went back to another job. But in the back of my mind, I always had this idea, like, I really feel like I want to become an entrepreneur. So I'm the type of person I get in an on an idea, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. Don't know how, don't know where, but I'm going to figure it out. And so I put in my time. And then it wasn't until January of 2013, I worked one day in my corporate job so I can get my big fat bonus. And then I ventured into entrepreneurship and that was really exciting and scary and frightening and all of the above, because the one thing that I really realized is entrepreneurship is a totally different game, totally different game. It's nothing like what it is to be an employee, because at the end of the day, if I was in a space where I didn't want to be productive or I was having an off week or what have you, I'd still get my paycheck every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And in the entrepreneur space, as you know, it's just a very different ballgame. Like you, you, you know, create money and you get to experience things. But at the end of the day, you're 100 percent responsible for your outcomes. And then I had to distinguish trading time for money as opposed to creating uh, leveraged income and passive income and just all these different things that I didn't really understand. And it's so interesting to me. And then the other side of it was really investing in in personal growth, you know, really being an advocate for understanding that my results were going to meet my level of what I thought about myself, right, right from an identity standpoint. So all these things over the past 10 years, I celebrated 10 years as an entrepreneur in January. Uh, I can honestly say that I come from a place of knowing of what it's like to go through the lows and then to have the highs and everything in between and what it really means and it's just been the greatest ride. And so how I got into this whole positioning thing is because when I first quit my job or when I first went into entrepreneurship, I thought it was just going to be around social media, which what I was going to offer. And I knew somehow it was off. I was like, this isn't really hitting the mark. And then I'm like, do I get into business growth? I'm like, still not hitting the mark. And it wasn't until I was doing a consulting gig where I was still doing some corporate consulting back then pretty consistently. And it was for a company in Australia. And I remember being on a call and there was all these people on the Zoom call and they were all talking about this new product introduction. And what was so fascinating to me, we there were so many conversations around positioning of this product. Well, the end product was this chocolate chip cookie. And then I was like, oh, my God, there's so much work being done around this chocolate chip cookie. And in the small business entrepreneur space, nobody's really talking about positioning as much as they should be. Right. And so that was my big epiphany. I'm like, this is where I'm going to plant my flag. 
and really talk about the importance of positioning. And I know it's not very sexy and people don't talk about it, but it's super essential. And it's something that it's the, the foundational makeup of creating a personal brand really starts there. And a lot mm -hmm. of people have it confused with what they should be doing. And so therein lied the big opportunity for me to start a business that really was a reflection of how I can really help transformatively and where I, I love to talk about it. I talk about it all the time. So yeah, that's where I landed. So it's all, it's all, all good. Love your story. So I know you already talked on it, but let's just elaborate a little more. What do you do these days and who do you serve? Yeah. So I basically help entrepreneurs, typically service-based entrepreneurs, and it could be solopreneurs or when they have small teams. I've also helped uh, smaller companies, privately owned, where they're really struggling to stand out, right? So anybody that's struggling to stand out is really feeling the pressure of giving into the price war game, where they feel compelled to base their outcome or their offers based on pricing and saying, okay, well, I'm just going to price this way because this is what the market will bear. And they're really feeling the squeeze of everything going on, especially in this economic environment where it's pretty volatile, you know? And so how do you create a personal brand and why is it that you're struggling? So when when I focus on, on the positioning side, it really, really helps. It's like the light goes on to say, this is why I've been struggling for so long. So that's literally who I help to so that they get clarity on that. Love it. Love it. So... How do people become aware of the fact that they're struggling with that? Because I, because I'm thinking like some people are just they think that's part of the part of their day to day, and they don't probably know that that's an issue and they're struggling with that. So what what do I need to see or become aware of to understand and identify that I'm struggling with positioning? Well, I think that one of the easiest things that I have found, this was probably going back pre-COVID when there was more uh, opportunities for networking, or if you're going to conferences now and you're like, hey, what do you do? You know, you're, you're introducing yourself and you're meeting new people. And then they'll tell me, oh, I'm a health coach or I'm a wealth coach or I'm a brain coach or whatever it is that they're saying, or I'm a chiropractor, or I'm a lawyer or what have you. And so what happens is if they just say it in that way, you've literally just commoditized what you do. You're and right. so the reason is because you're not really standing out or when somebody says, or I'm a health coach through the whatever, blah, 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 Institute. I'm like, again, that's again, commoditizing yourself. You're not, you're not specializing. You're not standing out. You're not Finding the white space is what I call it, is when you're in a sea of competition, and let's face it, in almost any category that you can think of, unless you have something very advanced, proprietary, and even in the AI space, as you're seeing, people are, there's just this influx of all these different tools. It's getting super crowded really fast because everyone's super talking about it. It always goes back to what's the positioning? What's the white space? How are you specializing? How are you standing out so that you're memorable in the mind of your prospect, right? Your ideal prospect, no less. So the way to know if you're struggling with that is if you're answering that question with a generalized title, you're commoditizing yourself. If you've ever said, oh, I just have to price this because this is what the market is showing me that I should price at. Right. If you're a personal trainer and you're pricing $80 an hour because that's what everybody else is doing and maybe you're going to go a little cheaper because you don't have as much experience, 
you've just commoditized yourself. So -hmm. there's just so many things or these, or even on a visual branding standpoint, where you see these templatized websites and there's no diss on templatizing, but over time they kind of all start to seem the same and they, they're so void of any real personality or what do you stand for? What are you about? Like, you can't really tell. So, so those are just like three examples off the cuff that I can think of Absolutely. of how people are really missing the boat. Absolutely. So if you, it seems like if, if the, 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 um, uh, the sign that you're looking for is the fact that you cannot differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack. Oh, I'm just another coach. I'm just mm-hmm. a plumber. I'm just a, a, a chiropractor. And then people cannot communicate and understand what is unique about you. And, and I guess we're going to talk more about that. So, um, Patty, what is your definition of definition of uh, positioning? What actually is positioning? So really uh, very easy to establish. I think there's, in my, in my opinion, confusion between branding and positioning where somebody will say, oh, Patty, you do positioning. Can you help me with my logo? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't do that. I'm not a graphic designer. And, and really the easiest way to think about it is that uh, I always use this as an example because I, I feel like it nails it every single time. So imagine for yourself, Mustafa, that you want to build a dream house, right? That house of your dreams where money is no object, where you can literally create anything that you want. Where would you start out in having that dream house built? Location? Yes. And you'd probably need an architect to draft up the blueprints, right? That's right. Right. So the architect with the blueprints is that foundational strategy, if you will, mm-hmm. of what it is that you want to create when you're saying that you want a dream house. So it's no different. So when you are crafting your positioning, you really want to focus on that strategy and the strategic blueprint, right? Who you serve, how, what it is that you have, what's your message, all these other things that go along with it. And then, so, so that's building the foundation of your house. Branding is the visual interpretation. That's all the fun stuff, right? People always go to branding immediately or they, they don't have their positioning done, but then they say, hey, I did my logo and I paid somebody for my website and all these other things, but they have no positioning in place whatsoever. So unfortunately, that's literally putting the cart before the horse because the visual comes after it's like that's all the fun stuff like the paint color and the curtains and what kind of furniture you're going to have in your dream home right so it it has to go in that way in order for it to be streamlined and harmonized and all the things and i think a lot of people really miss that uh entirely fantastic and then how do you differentiate between positioning and branding and i know you already touched on it a little bit as well yeah, just really the 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 positioning side of things, just to keep it really simple, how I help my clients is like really the who, who it is that you're serving, the message of how you're going to stand out, and then your offers, right? You also want to come up with what is the big idea? What is the thing that differentiates you? You said that word earlier on. Yes, differentiation is really the name of the game. So, and it, it doesn't matter how crowded your market is, even if you think you're in a super flooded market, there's still room for you to differentiate. So all of these elements go into play. And again, um, the branding side of it comes with like the visual components. Absolutely. Why do you think, why do you think people are afraid of differentiation? Because and they're, and they're trying, they're trying to like do everything that everyone is doing, like copying the prices. And, you know, sometimes people are like exactly copying the packages and the verbiage. <laughs> 
Look, yeah. What's the? Why do you think they do that? Yeah, that's a really, really good question because I think people are doing it because they maybe there's some examples of success, and as I know, Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues, where they'll say, okay, well, that's a successful example. Let me just follow that. The problem with that, the problem with being a copycat brand is that you're only ever going to be the best second rate version of that brand, right? So it's just so it, it's lacking of any real personality. The other side of it is that a lot of times people feel compelled to stay safe, right? So that's where it goes into really the the mindset of the entrepreneur and saying, are, do you dare boldly enough to create contrast in how you're showing up, right? Because contrast is can be polarizing, can be risky. And sometimes people don't want to do that, or they somehow feel that, well, if I focus only on this audience, am I ostracizing other people that do want to work with me? So there's just a lot of confusion uh, on, on deploying this strategy or just saying, hey, can I differentiate? Can I create contrast? And they'll always look for the reasons why not. But the reasons why is that when you have that contrast, when you have the differentiation, it's one of the biggest components of standing out. So yes, it can be risky, but it is really fruitful when done right, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think sometimes people just don't know any better. Yeah. And they don't they don't want to put any time and and thoughts and thinking into it. And uh, yeah. they just go out there, let me find someone and copy and uh, okay, we'll get a place to start. <laughs> right. It's it, because it's easy, right? Like it's yeah, just it's easier easy. to do it that way. Yeah, instead of sitting down and strategizing and thinking about it and testing and this and that, there's let me just go copy the next the guy next door and hopefully mm -hmm. he's got it figured out. You know. Um, interesting. So how how do you um, um, go about um, setting yourself apart, uh, apart and differentiating in a super crowded market? Well, I think that a really good place to start is just to really figure out what is it that you do really, really well. So in other words, some people call it your zone of genius, um, that thing that you're so competent at, it just comes super naturally to you. And so really taking inventory of where do your natural talents lie, right? And then it's also uh, saying, let's take the perfect example of a weight loss coach, right? There's so many people that are in the health space. And so all of this is also assuming that you're in a category that can be profitable, right? So if you're going to find a niche, you want to find a niche that's profitable. And so let me give you an example, just as a little bit of a segue. Uh, there's people who, for example, never forget, I was at a, a networking event and there was a woman that I was talking to and I, said, and I said, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I am a finance coach for college students. And I'm like, that is probably the worst market you could go after because college students are so broke. You know, college students are not thinking about investing in their financial future. So that's really a hard one. And that's probably the most extreme case that I can find right off the cuff, because it's like first. OK, so let's assume that you're in a niche that is profitable. Right. Typically, it's health, as you may have heard, very popular health, wealth, uh, you know, you're in the money making space. I think that there's a whole other another one where it's hobbies, right? Passion projects, things that people are super passionate about, such as their pets or maybe crafting or golf. Or there's like certain there's certain if you're of a political affiliation, those like 
uh, prepper market is another one. So those are all super successful categories. And so within that, finding the niche that is profitable. So that would be the first one. And then the second one is, okay, so let's use the example of a health coach. So just saying you're a health coach is not enough. What if you specialized so that the person that you're speaking to clearly understands how you can help them? So a health coach, just saying a health coach, I can help everybody. So that's another clue that somebody is not differentiating is when I say, okay, tell me about what you do. And they're like, I help everybody. Like, no, you don't. You can't help everybody. You're helping nobody basically. And so Mm -hmm. what if you said, okay, I'm a health coach that specializes in helping women postpartum, right? To lose that 15 pounds of, uh, of weight, right? That's a very specific problem in a very specific segment in a very specific profile of person. So that is way different than if you're a a health coach helping, you know, women over 50 going through either premenopause or menopause, right? Just it's a different stage in life. The problems, the fears, frustrations, the hopes, dreams, desires are so different between those two, even though they're both female. So that just goes to show you this is a a prime opportunity. Uh, You know, if you're watching this and wondering, how do I do that? Just ask yourself, can I specialize? Can I drill down into who I help and how I help them with specificity in mind where you're delivering a very specific outcome to a specific audience? And that helps you tremendously. So, you know, that's one way. Love it specific audience and specifically what you do. There's a question in chat and um, uh, the question is, is there a link between differentiation and niches or niches? Yeah, for sure. Because what, what you're talking about is a niche is where you're going to plant your flag. So for example, who is the audience, right? Who is the audience of people that you want to serve? What is that category? And then, um, so that's a niche. And then differentiation is you being a solution provider to that group of people. How are you differentiating? How are you standing apart from those that are doing what you do, AKA your competitors? Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I, honestly, uh, I've seen that to be the easiest, fastest, surefire sure way to start differentiation and, and setting a category of one. Mm-hmm. Where everybody uh, in a world where, like you said, people are trying to serve everybody and any anybody who whoever has a pulse, I could serve. Where I, I I'll try <laughs> this, sure. this, yeah, this notion of like I only serve, um, for example, um, let's say chiropractors uh, who are having this specific problem. That's like very quick, very different, and it would probably stay stick to people's mind as well. Like every time I, I, I see a chiropractor, I could think of that person that serves and fixes a very specific problem for them compared to I yeah. do everything I, I help you with. I help you grow. your right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, I, uh, for example, you know, one of my um, dear clients was in, in that space where just even if you think about like you're a chiropractor for triathletes, I mean, think about the very specific problems that a triathlete is having. 
right, is way different than it's somebody who is just the everyday Joe who says, oh, I have a pain in my back or what have you. And mm-hmm. then the other side of it is that when you specialize, the benefit of specializing is that you could also command higher prices, presumably because you've specialized. Exactly. So there's a lot of magic in that. And, and the benefits of specializing are so many, they're just so many. And, and this is a great example of, we talked about the fact that if you're pricing, because this is what the market will bear, you're doing it wrong. You're not differentiating, but when you specialize, when you differentiate, you can literally command a higher price point. And that in and of itself is a way to position yourself as top of the market. It's a great opportunity to do that. Higher price, I think would set you also apart as well. And would you, what, what do you say? Are, are there like a whole bunch of different things that we could use to differentiate or are there just a limited number of things? I mean, I assume it's any, oh God, there's so many different things, you know? So for example, mm, let's say you can differentiate with your proof points, right? So proof points, for example, I consider this is the substantiation of your claims, okay, your proof points. Your proof points could be your testimonials. Your proof points can be uh, case studies, third-party resources, anything like that. Imagine that you have testimonials from Oprah, I don't know, Tony Robbins, whoever, like super top, top known personalities and celebrities. Well, now you've just positioned yourself as a go-to for the stars, See what I mean? That's like a totally different thing. So playing up your proof points or, for example, podcasts that you've been on or uh, the fact that you're a top, a, uh, how do you call it? You've written a book and you're a bestseller. That's a premium position. That's another way, yeah. Right? So things like that. Also Mm -hmm. experientially. Um, So for example, if you have, I was just on a summit um, and it was really different in that the way that it was run was really interactive and that was very appreciated by the people who were in the audience and they said i've never been in a summit like this right because it's so interactive and i really i deployed what it is that i'm saying that's another way so your differentiation can be by some kind of an experience that you're creating uh it could be by the experience of the environment right so for example one time i went into an uber i mean an uber is pretty commoditized but the guy had these like, he had a disco ball in his car and he had like little strobe lights. And then in the back, he had a little cooler and he had, I mean, he made it an experience, mm-hmm. right? So the experience is a way to differentiate. And again, think about how commoditized an Uber driver is, but his rating, and I think this was like in Phoenix, Arizona area, I believe. And it was just such an exemplary experience. It was like, he's like, pull out your phone right now. Let me get a five-star rating. Like, he led the entire experience soup to nuts and he made it so positive. So being a leader, right? In his case, he led the conversation. Uh, if you're a thought leader. So, so for you, Mustafa, in your category, you can become the thought leader that brings entrepreneurs and new thinking to the market. That's positioning, right? So all of these elements and touch points are just another way Um The whole proximity is power is a really good one as well. Let's say one of the easiest ways to leapfrog your credibility and your positioning is by being associated with somebody who has, you know, huge amount of, uh, of awareness, right. A premium brand. So like, you know, if Gary Vaynerchuk popped into this 
podcast interview and we're associated with him, right? That would elevate our brand. So it's that proximity is power thing that a lot of people play up. That's why you see people taking pictures with these, these personas, these celebrities, because it's that proximity is power angle. So, so many different ways that you can do that. The title, you can give yourself a title. So uh, there's so many people who do that and it can be misconstrued as being braggy, but this is the other thing. It's like, you can call yourself an expert. So if you go to, if you go to um, positioningexpert.com, you're going to go to my website. So that's just an easy way for, instead of you thinking, how did you spell that woman's name? That was on Mustafa's uh, podcast. Was it a Q easy or G easy? I'm like, just go to positioningexpert.com. You know what I mean? So little things like that, different touch points that you can have uh, as part of the experience of how you're going to be showing up and interacting with your personal brand is very much a way to create that contrast or to differentiate. Absolutely. And then, so we talked about, so, so seems like you could, you could differentiate across the board on basically everything that you do. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. Like, I mean, another, your... yeah. No, I was just going to say my stuff. Another thing that some people do really well, I've done it also is you can position against a common enemy, right? I know you've heard that before, right? Mustafa, like, yeah. for example, people who are doing it unethically, or for example, I've written emails about the, about, about bro marketers, you know what I mean? And it's like a way to cast stones at the enemy. They're not really your enemies, but you're trying to create contrast. Or for example, these uh, clickbait types of ads or clickbait types of posts that get people to click, but then you go on there and it's just kind of empty, right? It's a lot, a bunch of hot air. So even on, it's really interesting on my YouTube channel, I had posted uh, a video, how to differentiate, I think is the title of it, how to stand out uniquely. And this guy commented, like, he's like, thank you for posting something that's actually useful and that it's not a bunch of clickbait. Because yeah. people are getting tired of that stuff. So yeah. at the at the root of that is just showing up authentically, like knowing your stuff and then showing up to serve and being authentic. That sometimes in and of itself creates contrast. I thought that was really interesting. Absolutely. And I, I posted back. I'm like, hey, thanks for that comment. Like, you really made me smile. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Because it's like, wow, just showing up authentically and not being so, so uh, hypey is a way to differentiate now, apparently, <laughs> which Absolutely. is crazy. And, and I think I, I read or heard this somewhere that when you differentiate across the board on different things that you do, at some point you become so different compared to your competition that they have no chance of copying or catching up with you. It's like it's so uniquely you that yeah. they can't even start to copy you. Even if they do, they're probably going to fail miserably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look at one of the best examples. If you look at, um, you know, marketing genius, Godfather, Dan Kennedy, uh, yeah. his LTV, his lifetime value of his clients is super long because he's very bold. He's very brash. He's super opinionated. He's just like personal branding is nonsense. And right. He has his perspectives on things. And he also says, if you go anywhere else, you're throwing away your money. Like, <laughs> 
he causes that type of, of awareness for people like he's leading, right? He's leading his his people, his community, his tribe, whatever you want to call it. He's leading. And I think part of the the thing also is, you know, something I learned from a mentor of mine, um, Jim Fortin, he's always saying he's like, always be leading, right? Where are you leading in that conversation? Because as Dan Kennedy says, like people are just starving to be led. So you as the persona behind your brand and in the in the niche that you're in, go ahead and lead. This goes back to a really brilliant blog post that's called A Thousand True Fans, I believe. The author's Kevin Kelly. And he talks about the fact that most people think that you have to have like a million people who buy from you. He's like, it's absolutely not true. He, and then obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he says, like, what if I told you you only need a thousand true fans? Right, a thousand true true fans to have a really successful business, That's and right. so when I when I brought that up to my clients, it really allows them to see that oh, I don't have to boil the ocean, right? Because they have a tendency to compare themselves to these big big brands, and that's great and all, but you, it doesn't have to mean that 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 you have to be that size, right? kind of takes the pressure off as well as this like Mount Everest that you're never going to reach, and that's absolutely not the case. You can cultivate goodwill and um, and that commitment by having these thousand true fans and you're serving them and you're doing all the things to engage with them and create experiences. And I love this whole concept of, you know, surprise and delight. I, I love doing that for my clients and just having those elements that go above and beyond. Where are you going above and beyond? Because guess what? Most business, uh, in my experience, are just meeting the deliverable and sometimes falling short of that. And that's a, it's really disappointing, but what if you can not only meet the deliverable, but exceed it, create an experience where you're surprising and delighting, what would that look like? So just by doing that, you're an outlier, which is really crazy to me, but that's another way to differentiate. hundred percent. So um, the guy that asked last question about differentiation, about uh, the link between differentiation and niches, uh, his uh, YouTube uh, nickname is the Air airport chauffeur. Mm -hmm. And he just mentioned that we're wealthy travelers. I just want to mention that I heard a story about a, 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 a taxi driver, or he may he may be working at the airport, that he only does shuttle drives between uh, for wealthy travelers to the airport. And he is trusted among a network of people who introduce him to other people and wealthy travelers that oh, they know. Yeah. And this guy keeps getting referred to other wealthy and well-known people and he and uh, he, he's got it figured out he's yeah. never out of business and he probably charges a higher fee and uh, he delivers uh, exactly what these those people are expecting because he's been probably doing it for like 20 or 30 years brilliant well, and so so at the root of that is being super consistent mm -hmm. because when you're consistent with that right you're consistent on your brand promise you're meeting what the experience is going to be each and every single time predictably, there's equity in that for sure, that a lot of people are, are, are probably not as patient to do. You know, this reminds me of a story that I had somebody on my podcast and she was saying how uh, people who do it right, right? I think that was the topic in, in, in general. And she was saying that there was a local auto body shop, this guy who owned this auto body shop for 40 years, right? Just, you know, privately owned mom and pop shop type of deal. But when you went on Google in a pretty, pretty broad metropolitan area, he came up first. 
it was so interesting is because when you walked in there, he would take people through the experience, right? He had put into place, you come in, this is what you do. So there's that predictability that people like, and they come to rely on. And then he delivers. And then he's like, how was your experience? It was really good. Hey, do me a favor. This would mean the world to me. Take out your phone type of deal. And then here's exactly what you're going to do. That helps my business out a lot. And then he takes a picture and they post it's like part of his process. So because of that, he had so many Google reviews. He's showing up top on Google totally organic. So that's just a great example of organic is not dead. You just have to have more consistency with it that most people are not willing to do. And that's such a great example of how you can do it too. Absolutely. So what is the difference between personal brand and a business brand and how are they related? So I think with that, I mean, a, a personal brand is if you're, for example, the person behind the brand. So I'm Patty Dominguez, right? And there's something, there's a, a, a an idea that if you're developing a personal brand and the experience is tied to your personal brand, then people come to expect it, right? And so there's this point of, there's this point where you can't really depart from it because people expect you to do the thing. And, and it really depends on what you want your exit strategy to be. So let me go back to, you know, when you look at Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk owns a lot of different things. He has an agency, he has this NFT company, and he does all kinds of stuff. He's a personal brand standing on, of, on his own that he's developed. Now, under the Vayner Media and all these Vayner uh, companies that he has, he has other people that are, are, that are like doing the day-to-day -day operations. So the personal side of it that you can see by the way his brand personality, I mean, he's brash, he swears, he doesn't care, he gives it to you straight, he doesn't prepare slides at presentations, he's like, hey, I like Q&A. So like, you just know what to expect. Now he is hella consistent, because that's the one thing about him, him that's indisputable. He is a massively consistent, probably one of the most consistent people ever. So that's what he's come to be known for. Now his agency side, he has leveraged his last name to build equity and notoriety with his agencies and all these other elements. And so they can stand in it on its own. And then if he wanted to sell it because there's some kind of an exit strategy associated with it, he could because there's equity in his name. So yeah. it's the way, however you decide to build it, just always think ahead and say, okay, what is it that I'm doing that I want? Do I want to exit this business? Can I, can I take myself out of it? And then can it still stand alone? Do I have the process behind it so it could still thrive even if I'm not a part of it? I think a, a great example that I remember is that when famous speaker and business philosopher Jim Rohn passed away, his company didn't really have anybody really manning the ship mm -hmm. and the equity in his brand kind of fell off the wayside. And it's such a disservice because such a brilliant man, right? But he didn't have any of that infrastructure is my understanding. So don't quote me. That's what I heard. But if you notice, there's not a whole lot of Jim Rohn types of things and training still available is my understanding of it because people just associated with him, right? He was doing all the public speaking and doing all of that. So it was such a, a missed opportunity in that respect. I was, I'm a huge fan of Jim Rohn. I, I listened me to Jim too. Rohn. 
hours yeah. and hours and days and weeks and months. But that, that's usually, you, you, you know, you're right. You, you don't see a lot of uh, Jim Rohn stuff happening. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know if, if, is that because his brand relied too much or solely on him? And yeah. there was no, uh, he didn't have other people involved to pick up yeah. after him? Yeah, my understanding of it, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I think at some point, succession planning is uh, something to think absolutely. of. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think not just personal brands. I've seen, I've seen uh, businesses. I've seen non for profits, charities, uh, personal brands, all sorts of businesses and people that interact with people that do not have a succession plan, and or I've seen cases let's say in a charity that I've been involved with that if a certain person uh, gets sick or something happens to them, the entire organization is going to be in trouble. Yeah. So exactly that, like the contingency side of it isn't there, isn't established. It's dangerous. Absolutely. And, and you know, we think that, oh, we're going to be okay. Nothing is going to happen until it happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. So true. So what are the big brands doing that the personal brands don't? I think the the one thing that a lot of people fall short, short on is, and just to put it really simplistically, is that I go back to that um, story that I told about the chocolate chip cookie. I mean, there were so many discussions like, how is this cookie going to be consumed? Is it mom who has it in, her, in the cup holder in her car? Or is it kids that are putting in their backpack? Or is it the dad that's putting in his briefcase because he's on the go to the airport? So there's just all these things that are considered. And so at the root of that, if you really think about it, is that the market research is done extensively, right? I mean, profound market research is happening. Um, all kinds of test markets and understanding the nuances of that particular consumer. And so how do you relay that into our world, right? Into this entrepreneur, solopreneur, uh, that kind of thing. It's really understanding your prospect intimately. And it goes beyond just the age range and the gender and all these other things. It's really understanding uh, the hopes, fears, dreams, desires, their challenges, what frustrates them? What else have they tried? What is it that they come to understand about particular solutions that are in the market? So this is so uh, critical to do that most people don't ever take the time to do it. Why? Because it takes work. It takes work. And there's a lot of unknowns with that as well. And so um, part of this rigorous process is the magic is once you have the market research done for the most part, it becomes a springboard to, for all the other things that you create. And so now when you have the message to market match, what happens is, is that people are seeing it and, the, and then the person on the receiving end, the biggest compliment that you can get is when somebody says, oh my God, it's like you're in my head. You're speaking to me with this, this uh, ad that you ran or the story that you told or the blog post that you wrote or the podcast episode, all of these things. That's how you differentiate because you understand your prospect intimately, you know, uh -huh. 360, all perspectives, psychographically, demographic, geographically, behaviorally, all of it, all of it, all of it. And oh, so there's yeah. a lot of, of, um, of excellence and rigor that comes out of it that pays you back pretty significantly when you do it right. 
Yeah, that's probably another example of different place where you can differentiate in that. That is to get to know your customer so much, so well, so deep mm-hmm. that no one else could even compare themselves to, or I mean, they could act like it or they could claim. But when, mm-hmm. it, when, when push comes to shove, they probably don't know as much about the customer and their needs. And you could walk to the customer and be and say things like, look, I probably know you better than you know yourself. <laughs> right. You're right. You're right, though. It's so true. And that's right, because you bring the wealth of knowledge of uh, working with different clients in that space who have similar problems, but problems maybe that they're not even thinking about or yeah. solutions that they're not even aware of what they aren't. So, so this is like from a, a positioning standpoint, something that I call the checkmate move, right? What is it that you can present as part of your solution that other people haven't even thought about as a viable reason why they haven't gotten the gains in their own business that they want, right? Just some, for example, like, oh, you must be taught. I don't know. There's just so much of that that you can be doing that on the consumer side, you know, your big question was, um, around what are the big brands doing that the entrepreneurs are not. For example, l- let me give you the the easiest and fastest example is like Tylenol, right? So Tylenol, you know, it's just a mainstream consumer packaged good. And then they put like a special coating that, that allows the pain reliever to impact you quicker. So there's a pain, I, I don't know, they call it something where the release of it is that much quicker, Right. So that's an example of why wait with that horrible throbbing headache for 25 minutes before the tunnel kicks in when you can have it in three. Right. So that speed of a result is the checkmate move. And so these are just different things that you can do. So think about what is it that you're doing and is it around speed? How is it different? What's the experience that's different? How do you enhance it? I mean, there's so many different elements that you can hone in on um, that you can present to a prospect that they're not even aware of, which is really a big opportunity. Absolutely. One of the the things we've done in the past is just to sit down and list every benefit and everything that say a product or service that does Mm -hmm. for the customer. And like Mm -hmm. you said, you could, you could even focus on that and build your brand around it. Even though the, 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 the no name, no brand, um, acetaminophen would do the same as, Tylenol, but because right. they were building a brand around it, those guys could turn around and say, look, we do the same, but it, it doesn't work. It's not going to do right. the same. Because those right. guys have built a brand brand around it and they focused on it and they, they've done a whole bunch of things to differentiate themselves from the rest of the pack. And now people walk in and they pay, they happily pay premium fees exactly. to access to, that, access to that feature, which, which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, hmm. Hmm. How do you, how much time, how much, okay, uh, my, uh, here's a question, another question. How much time do you actually need to build a business or a personal brand? How long does it typically take? How much, how much time would you give it to, because here's why I asked that question. Here's, I ran an agency forever, a, a digital agency, and people would come up and say, uh, oh, yeah, let's spend so much a month on advertising. And then uh, like a month or two later, they show up. They're like, how is my brand doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm laughing. You know, you and I know both why we're laughing. Yeah, (laughs) You know exactly what's happening. And so I'm like, how much time do you typically give it until you say, look, um, this is typically how much time you need to build a brand. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think I could feasibly answer that question because I don't think it's as much as it's a time consideration 
as much as a, uh, a consistency consideration. So for example, you can have some, if, so if I say to you, oh, it takes a year, but if somebody's showing up and doing a live every other month for 20 minutes, how many touch points is that? Feasibly six in a year? Yeah. And then there's somebody else who's doing it two times a day for 365 days. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think it's touch points. I think it's Repetition. the consistency of the touch points. I think that's a, a relevant way to look at it as opposed to it being a time element, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think if I may, I think um, adding to that, the repetition thing, it wants you differentiate and, and pick a niche that helps you build your brand a lot faster compared to the people that say I serve everybody. Right. Of course. Of course. And Absolutely. Like if you go out there and say I help chiropractors with their bookkeeping in the state of California and you make two videos a day about that, you're going to get there a lot faster compared to the guy that says, I do bookkeeping and I'm really good at it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and it's also, it's also being seen as a, as a solution provider. Cause there's some guy on, I wish I, I wish I could remember. I think it's like Phil the plumber and Phil the plumber has a YouTube channel, has millions of people who go to Phil the plumber. Why? Yeah. Because Phil the plumber can help you with the leaky faucet and all these at home situations that people have with their plumbing. That's such a great example. He is not yeah. talking about commercial plumbing or, you know, all kinds of plumbing. He is honing in on this is what you need to know for your home. So that's a great example of the everyday guy. And if you look at it, it's like Phil the plumber or something similar to that. It's Peep the plumber. I don't even remember. But it, it, he's he has grown this crazy following on YouTube because he is looked at as the trusted source and plumbing. Oh, yeah. And oh, by the way, he's super consistent with posting his videos. So there you 100%. go. Right. 100%. I've seen, I've seen uh, plumbers, landscaping companies, detail shops, a uh, whole bunch of different construction people that are shooting videos and posting it consistently about their entire process with millions of views it's so amazing they probably more make more money out of the ads on youtube yep. Yep. than they do on the, like there's a guy landscaping guy who does free lawn care that gets like a, a, a turnover or a makeover i don't know what he calls it but it's a it's a part of my french like a shit show of it a yard he goes in and just does a makeover it's like wow look look at the befores and afters yeah. I, I watch those i'm like that's amazing and he does it for free. He just knocks <laughs> on people's doors and say, do you want a free lawn makeover? And they're like, oh are my you God. crazy? He's like, no, I'm not. I'll just it's do your so entire lawn for an entire day. And then uh, he has a brand. He probably has people going to him. Oh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's, if, you, if you look at it in that respect, so very similar to this guy that you're talking about with the landscaper or the plumber guy that I'm talking about, there's also another guy on YouTube. His name is Vic Blends. VIC blends and right around uh, the COVID timing or so there was this situation where he's a barber, all barber shops are closed. He's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, I don't know what to do. He started his YouTube channel and basically he hangs out in different locations in park and like in, at the park. And he has like the, the barber cape and then a chair and his thing to, to cut hair. And he's like, Hey, can I bless you with a free haircut? And then he videotapes it and he literally asks people about their life, 
but then he's really inspiring, right? He inspires people. And wow. that's it's storytelling. Uh -huh. People know what, what is happening. People come to understand his brand. He's known for that one thing. And he has millions and millions of followers, I can imagine. not only on YouTube, but TikTok and all these other channels. And it just goes to show you why it's because he's super consistent with his message and people of what they are, what they come to expect. Yeah, It's just, it really requires that level of consistency and predictability in a way to know what you stand for so that it's so clear to people that they come to know what the experience is going to be like. I think there's a lot to be said there for that. 100%. I was watching, and I think we might have, me and you have talked about this before. I watched that Mr. Beast, the big YouTuber saying. Yeah. Somebody, somebody asked him about how to monetize like his YouTube channel and the rest of it. He said, first make a hundred videos and then work and think about monetizing it to show yeah. consistency, to show that you are going to show up, to show that, yes, you will be there every day, every week, like that twice a day or once a day or once a week deal that, yes, I'm going to be here. And then the rest of the stuff will probably right. come through. Wow. We are coming to the top of the hour. And uh, Patty, just like I said, this is this topic is so near and dear to me. I've spent a lot of time on it. That I, we could easily talk another three hours about it. <laughs> I'm, yes. not, I'm not kidding. I know. I know. Because. Well, who are you talking to? I love this topic. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, so uh, important question. And then we're gonna, I'm going to dive into some personal questions before we wrap up. How do you find a niche? How do you go about it? So again, starting with uh, the different categories, health, wealth, relationships, and passion projects. So those are the four. So within each of those, drill down. Right. So say health could be weight loss, personal training. Again, just know, start there, start with the top four and then drill down within those. Uh, and then that's how you find. And, and honestly, take a look competitively to see, are there other offers out there that people are already giving you the proof points that this is a market that you can play in that, uh, is profitable. So I actually, um, I don't know. Can I transition into the gift, Mustafa? 100%. And I'm working okay. here. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, if you go to, if you go to positioningquiz.com, positioningquiz.com, uh, there it's a, a series of questions that goes into that, right? Understanding all of these elements of your positioning, but it also goes into the internal position. This is what I mean about, I help service-based entrepreneurs and solopreneurs because it's not just about the external positioning side of it, but also the internal positioning side of it. Um, by saying like, can you say you're an expert? How do you feel about that? All of the mindset stuff also that comes into play that is super, super important. So if you go there, take the quiz, there'll be a report specific to you. And it also, um, it can also include, uh, it'll also include on the back end a whole series of gifts. I love gifting, right? I love surprising and delighting. And so you'll get a lot of different gifts on how to work through this whole topic of how to position your brand to profit. So yeah, so just go to positioningquiz.com. So gang, uh, to get um, to get to the positioning quiz, to know where you're standing with your positioning and your brand and your niche and the rest of the stuff, go to positioningquiz.com. And the link is actually is in the comments of the show and the description of the show. You could click on it and go visit and do the quiz, and she is going to send you some surprise gifts as mm -hmm. well. And uh, honestly, picking a niche 
and uh, uh, picking who you serve, what you do for them. And it, you cannot spend enough time on these to get this figured out. And what, here's a fact that I know, and I've been in the marketing world probably for 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, once you get this piece figured out, yeah, everything else becomes a lot easier, like yeah. day and night easier. <clears throat> like when you pick your niche, you know who you serve, finding them becomes a lot easier mm -hmm. versus trying to think about this, trying to find everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and like when Patty said, when you're trying to find and serve everybody, you end up serving nobody mm -hmm. versus a very specific niche or group of people who know and like and are looking for your service and they would be get very happy when you show up. You could probably tell I, I get very excited about this and I'm <laughs> passionate about this. So it's mm -hmm. very important to reach out, uh, go to positionquiz.com and get this and do reach out to Patty and get some help with this. And I'm sure you will not re regret that. <clears throat> now, uh, Patty can ask you some um, personal questions before we wrap up. Yes. All right, let me actually ask one question before we get that. Uh, give us a 30-second simple marketing strategy that people could use and implement uh, that would give them quick results. 30 seconds. Uh, a lot of people focus on new leads, like, I need new leads, I need leads, I need leads. I think your biggest money-making opportunity is to reach out within people that have bought from you already. I mean, the fact that they bought from you once, it, people almost always are sitting on money. They're leaving money on the table. There's gold in them hills. And so I would deploy some kind of a re-engagement campaign uh, with the people that I've bought from you. When was the last time you took a look at your best buyers and said, how's it going? What are you working on? Et cetera, just to catch up to them. Re-engage your customers. Love it. Um, um, I would second that because I actually run a business that does exactly that. There you go. <laughs> a call center that <laughs> what, a, what a perfect segue to your solution. <laughs> <laughs> that's like literally what we do all day long. There you go. Activating existing or past customers. Well, and here's right. the deal. Like if you don't want to do it, hire Mustafa. There you go. We could pick up the phone for you and we're not <laughs> afraid of it. All right. So what, uh, Patty, what's a new thing that you've tried recently? Uh, probably all these AI apps and just really discerning what is working on it. Now I think there's just a lot of, uh, hype around it and i'm waiting to see what settles down and um can be deployable i always like to put things into practice in my own business and then bring it back to my clients see what works fantastic fantastic give me two of your favorite books please oh i love outliers i was a malcolm Outlier. gladwell junkie and anything by seth godin uh anything i've read all his books I follow his stuff. He's just really brilliant in the simplicity in which he introduces concepts. So I love it. Do you have like a favorite with Seth Gordon? Probably. I, lo I love the book, Small is the New Big, where he talks about sm small businesses really having the upper hand against the big old conglomerates that so many layers in bureaucracy, they don't make um, choice or they don't move quick, quick, right? Because they're not nimble enough to do so. As small business owners, we can deploy so much of what we've heard today even quickly. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, Patty, what's one advice that made a big impact uh, on your business or life? 
one of the things that an early mentor of mine, uh, Kurt Molly, he's a traffic expert. He said to me, nobody is ever consistent ever. And the people that are consistent are the ones that win. Consistent people win. Mm -hmm. Love it. What if you're consistently wrong? <laughs> then I'd be, I'd, I'd win at being the wrongest of the wrong. <laughs> I think eventually you would probably pick up on that and, and fix it. But if you're consistent over time, you learn to, I, I guess, uh, learn from that. I mean, you, you would, if you consistently do something and you don't get the result and you keep doing it every day, eventually you're going to pick up on the clues and Oh yeah, it. absolutely. Because it's giving you the feedback, right? Assuming, yeah. right. The cons Thank you. The consistency is, is as it's applied to something that's giving you an ROI or an ROE, return on investment or return on energy, right? I have friends that deployed that very uh, concept of consistency and they're millionaires because they've been able to do that. 100%. And I think the consistency probably fixes the problem if, if you don't, because most people let's say they do something once and they get, they see a failure or they don't see results and they stop right there and then. But if yes. that's something you do every day, all year round, eventually, even if you're dumb, you will probably pick up on the clues. And <laughs> yeah. You know, um, cool. Um, uh, Patty, if you had a Facebook or a Google ad where everyone around the globe with access to internet could see your ad, what would your message be? for the people of earth. Uh, it's time to zag when everybody else is zigging. It is time to zag when everyone else is zigging. It's zigging. Patty, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Like I said, we could probably keep going and <laughs> eke out on, on this topic for hours and hours. But we're at the top of the hour. And is there anything that you probably would have wanted to mention, but didn't get a chance to um, mention? No, Mustafa, thank you for the opportunity. I think the only thing that I would say is that uh, if you are struggling to stand out, just understand and ask yourself better questions on why that's happening. And I always find that um, to there's a great book, Who Not How, uh, where the author, Dan Sullivan, I'm almost positive it's Dan Sullivan. He says, anytime you're in a bottleneck in your business, the big question to ask yourself is, it's probably time for a who. Is it time for a who? And so that that's where um, real solution experts like you and I, Mustafa, can really help people to move, right? To move the needle in their business. Absolutely. Gang, again, if you're watching or listening, go to positioningquiz.com and get access to patty's uh, quiz and do reach out to her she has a wealth of knowledge and experience she's got a great heart and uh i don't think you're going to re regret that decision so thank you for joining us if you have any questions for patty or i uh put it in the comments below feel free to um share the link with a person that could a, a business or a person that could benefit from uh, patty's expertise and all the knowledge and wisdom that she shared with you guys and or tag them in a comment and do not forget to like and subscribe to the show and uh, we will uh, see you next week have a good one thank you patty again thank you have a good one bye now you too